The brain is the soil. It doesn't matter if you plant a deadly nightshade or you plant corn in there, it will grow whatever you plant. So if you're planting negative stuff, it's going to grow stinking, thinking, <laughs> to quote uh, you know Dale Carnegie back in the day. You know, but if you plant the good stuff, the positive stuff, and ask curious questions that can lead you to where you want to go, then you will more than likely get there. Just keep asking. Welcome to Million Dollar Flip Flops, the podcast that invites you on a transformative journey to unlock the secrets of living life to the fullest. In this podcast, we dive deep into the minds of thought leaders, game changers, and business builders from around the world. If you're a business owner feeling trapped, overwhelmed, and longing for the time freedom you once dreamt of, this podcast is your beacon of hope. Buckle up, because here we go. What's going on, guys? I just had Matt Drinkon on the show. I was actually on his podcast, The Eternal Optimist, not too long ago. Awesome show. It's so much fun to listen to. So it was a blast to have him on my show. And we talk a ton about books. His book is coming out March 8th, The Eternal Optimist. And his buddy, Mark Victor Hansen, not a big deal. He's only sold like 600 million books. Uh, he endorsed it. And we just kind of bounce around for a half hour and talk about books and life and just the idea that things that happen to you have no meaning, positive or negative. It's what we assign to those things that direct our life. So I hope you enjoy the talk as much as I did. Let's listen in. Let's talk about your book and what you're up to. And people who don't know you, give me okay. the, we're on, we're on an elevator. We're on floor one. We're going to floor 13. That's how much time you have. Okay, floor 13. Well, first of all, I'm like Elf with Will Ferrell. I'm going to push all the buttons. So I'm going to cheat and give us a bunch of time. All right, that's number one. Uh, but I'm Matt Drinkon. I am six foot seven. My wife is five one. We've been married for 10 years. We have three amazing daughters who are eight, seven, and five. I'm an executive business coach. What that means in English is I help people who are overcoming their perfectionism to grow and scale their businesses. And I've done this and help people that are running businesses that start off in a few million dollar range and get them to 15 to $20 million. You know, I've helped a lot of financial advisors who are, you know, say that they're a hundred, $200 million in assets, help them get to half a billion. You know, there are people that I coach who have maybe bottleneck syndrome. Like they have to do everything themselves. They can't let go of anything and delegate. I help them let go of that perfectionism and they can let, let delegation happen. And these are some of the things that uh, that happen on a pretty regular basis when, when I'm connected. I'm the host of the Eternal Optimist podcast, where we ask people about the hardest things that they've ever had to endure or overcome. You were on that show, Roderick, and it was awesome. So God, I had a blast. I had a blast on your show. Uh, but I would say this, that if, if you really ask what's most important in driving, uh, I... I can tell you what it's not. It's not I'm not here to try to sell anything. I'm not here to sell my book, even though it is coming out on March 8th, 2024. It's The Eternal Optimist, the book, right? I'm not here to sell coaching services. If someone's interested in that, they can reach out to me. What I really want to sell, put all my energy and effort into is this idea of eternal optimism, this idea of uh, there is so much hard stuff going on out there. It's not helping us. Lean into a positive mindset. Lean into letting the hard stuff shape us and, and learn from it. And People just don't have that on autopilot yet. And it's my mission to help them get there. That's that's where my energy is is really around right now. It's yeah. like, what's the hardest thing that happened in our lives this past week? Uh, you know, it was fielding a call that I'm running this big event 
and that we weren't going to have internet there. It was out at that event. My entire presentation was, my entire speech and everything was going to be online and following online, something I had there. So that was something that would have stressed me out to no end before. But now it's like, oh, okay, anything else? (laughs) No problem. You know, so it's just looking at the things that are hard in our lives and asking, you know, how can we use this as a gift? You know, if you have a faith walk that you're on, what's the gift that God is offering you? You know, or if you are, if it's not a faith walk for you, if you're simply thinking about this hard thing that just happened, I ran out of gas on the way to this. I had a big argument with my significant other as the day got started, put me off into a, a rough frame. The kids are just going bonkers and they're driving me insane and gnawing at my nerves. Or I don't have enough money to get the great Christmas gift my kids want. Or my business partner is not being clear with me. Whatever the challenge might be. Maybe you have family that's over overseas right now in Israel or in Gaza or in Ukraine or Russia. And there's they're, they're in the middle of a war. I mean, there's so many different things that are hard emotionally, physically. I want to help people to deal with it and and own it and be able to live with it and, and help the world. I think that's... That's what I think about all the time and, and have conversations about. It's like when we get to a cocktail party, like I was at a party this past weekend and we don't go out much because we have a lot of young kids. When we do go out, I don't do well with the weather conversation and like the keeping it surface level, Roderick. Man, last time I got to a party, it was Nothing past worse. weekend. <laughs> Nothing <Man>. worse. <laughs> Dude, we went in deep. They asked you, so what do you do for a living? And and I try to play it very surface level there. I, I, you know, I work with leaders and I coach executives. Uh, and then. I asked them, so what are some of your goals and dreams that you shot for this year that you fell short of? <laughs> that, that, that like everyone's eyeballs went wide open, like, what? Yeah. No, I want to get into the deep <laughs> stuff with everyone in the deep end. How about you? Do you like to have these like real in-depth conversations? Or do you I, I'll give you a good example that came to mind as soon as you said that. We um, and it's a whole other story of how we got there, but we were in a Tuscan villa in September, I guess, yeah. with 16 people, only two of which we had ever met. And those two, we only met for a half hour in London at Wembley at the Foo Fighters concert, the Taylor Hawkins tribute concert. And we got invited to this house and we show up and and Nick and I, we quit drinking like over a year ago. And so we're in a house in Tuscany. Everyone's just pounding wine like they're on spring break. And we're there and I'm that guy where people are, I'm not asking about the weather, man. They're, you know, well, you know, I really always wanted to do this. Well, why, why haven't you? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. You know, you know I, I don't understand what's stopping you. And you always get to the bottom is, you know, because I'm afraid and I won't be loved, right? It's the same. It's always the same answer, <laughs> but it's fun going on the journey with them. And I realized, sat there, man, and I realized like five conversations in, I'm like, I better, I better calm down a little bit. Like I've got 10 more days with, with ah! these people. You're going to be voted off the island before you yeah, know it. Yeah, exactly. You're being too awesome. You're too real. Oh, so, man. Yeah, I hear you, man. I I have no desire to uh, go to a cocktail party and have surface-level conversations. Small talk with people drinking is is arguably one of the, the worst things I could ever put myself through. Well, if, if Okay, so let's just say that I'm in that conversation, and I've been relegated to small talk. Uh, and I realized I'm not going to make a big dent here. And it's not my mission to have to break every conversation into the most serious thing, even though I want to. Uh, if we're going to keep it light, then I'll start asking about your favorite superhero, your favorite dish. I'll ask about your favorite. Or I'll go like the movie John Cusack and High Fidelity. I'll go, what's your top five? Yeah. 
and ask about some list or something. I'll, I'll keep it that way. Uh, you just give me an opening though, man. I, I want to go deep into that conversation. And here's what happens. Like every once in a while, like I've had some amazing guests on the podcast and they come out. Like I had a guy named Hunter Durham on and his episode just aired this week. And Hunter, he built like three companies and he acquired a number of companies for several million dollars. And he was just in this entrepreneurial place where he worked a company, built up from scratch during COVID, got it to eight figure, got it to got it to mid seven figures. And then he acquired another company on the cash flow, then acquired another company on the cash flow. And then one of them went bust and it caused all of them to go bust. So he's in the middle of this bankruptcy thing right now. And super deep conversation, super real. And he invited me to come stay with him and his whole family, his wife and children down at, down at their place in Puerto Rico. So our family's going to take a summer trip down there. I met this other amazing guy named Casey Stubbs. You know who, who's on the show, and he invited me to hang out with him and the fam. He's got like I don't remember how many. I think it was like ten kids, literally a lot of kids, more than anybody I've ever seen on the show. But when you meet people that are willing to play all in, sometimes you just it just clicks, and that's 100%. who I'm looking for. I want to spend time with those people, man. That that's that's what fills my bucket is people that want to be deep and real and yeah, you know, share the good stuff and the tough stuff. And that's been the yeah. beauty, and I'm I'm sure this is true for you, but the beauty of doing this podcast and being on other podcasts and arguably the beauty, I don't want to say the beauty of COVID, but the beauty of forcing people into making zoom conversations normal because yeah. I can talk to everybody all over the world every day now. And it's completely normal. Yeah. <laughs> and it's opened up yeah. so much of this tribe, right? There's so many of us out there and it's so yeah. much easier to connect now. I love it. And, you know, this is, this may come as a big shock since I'm like, public speaker and sales guy and and pretty enthusiastic. I'm incredibly introverted. I I find it very difficult to initiate conversations out in the real world. Uh, I can, and I'm good at it. That doesn't mean I like it, right? I'd rather just kind of be solo. I'd rather be here on Zoom a lot of the times because I love to just look. I, I can see you and you gave me a little tour earlier as we got started here. I love to look at the background. You see all the cool stuff, man. I want to ask you about these two guitars I see back there. I want to ask you about that that giant wave behind your head, that, 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 that's beautiful. You know, I want to ask about the plants. I mean, I, I really want to like, get deep into some of these zoom conversations and see people that have like a really badass background. You know, I, I want to ask questions about that. Like, so for example, you have two guitars back there. Do you play or are these the ones that you've gotten from your favorite musicians? Like what's the story about your guitars? Uh, I grew up playing music, so I can, I played the piano and the saxophone when I was younger. And then I started to teach myself guitar when I was probably 18 because it was portable. Okay. And so oh, I could okay. use, nobody wants to, nobody wants to, you to bring the sax right to the fire. Oh yeah. <laughs> and and Kenny cool. G out. <laughs> so, so yeah, the, the, uh, tan colored one, that was actually a 67 or 68 Martin. That was my dad's. Um, okay. Oh, and then that's wow. my little my little Martin that I like take around to the little guy. But oh, okay. uh, so that's something you did with your dad. Like you see so you learned it from your father. And that's... Uh no, I wouldn't say that. No. <laughs> I would say I took I took it out of the box because he wasn't playing it and taught myself ah. to play. And uh and since then, since he retired, he really he's really gotten into guitars. He not only probably has eight or nine now, but he's more electric and going down that path. And that's not me. I'm a finger picker, I'm a Bob Dylan kind of you know, Beatles, <laughs> you know, yeah. things, those kind of songs. But anyway, do you play? Oh, no, my dad had a guitar and I thought that I could meet girls with it. 
because uh, all the girls in college, they like guys' guitars. And I was very uh, accountant-like and numerical. So I, I didn't really get that whole creative part. So I, I got the guitar and over Christmas break, freshman year, I started to play. And within like three days, my fingers were raw. I was like, ah, I don't play this anymore. <laughs> so I think it lasts like three days. I mean, once I commit to something, I am all in. Uh, guitar, never made the commitment, man. It's just, it, fingers were, were rough. I thought this is going to hurt my golf game. So there you go. do the, the guitar. I look at your background and I want to know about all the books. And the first thing I do when I go to somebody's house is I look at their books if they're out. Oh, yeah. Because you yeah. immediately learn about the person in four minutes. <laughs> That's right. I love to look at people's books. It's like it's just when I walk in the house, first thing I look for, same thing. Look for the books. I look for the pictures of like what what's the picture or the painting or what that might talk about their personality a little bit. Uh, and it gives me stuff to talk about, but the books. So if you look at my shelf, uh, you might see in the background that there's some color coordination. Over over the years, it's gotten less color coordinated. There's some color coordination because my wife got in here and designed it so that the colors are the same. Uh, but you look on the book shelf over there on that side. Uh, they start to be all the different colors. All right. You can tell that's the one that I probably spend more time in because yeah. it's like like crazy. Uh, yeah, but I've got like nine of these in this room. I got like 500 books in the room. I was a huge, huge lover of reading and, and and what I love to do with the books. For example, on the back shelf, we have my dad. The first book that I ever got, my dad gifted me the How to Win Friends and Influence People from Dale Carnegie. So I still have that original copy back there from him. And I got The Magic of Thinking Big from David Schwartz. Two of the best, most influential books on me that he gave to me in 1992 when I was in high school. So I still have those copies back there. Love it. And if we're just having a regular conversation here, this, this is nerd Matt coming out. This, this is where I would like to have the conversation in like real life at a cocktail party. Yes. I'm going to go down the nerd rabbit hole and I'm going to talk about books. And I want to share with you that I have in every book. I'll take Covey's Stephen habit, uh, seven habits of highly effective people. Got six copies of that here. Two from my dad. Uh, one is the one that he gifted me to or his copies that when he died, I took them off his shelf, right? So I go and look at all the books and I like to hi use highlighters and pens and whatnot. Everything that is highlighted, I will go and take my iPhone, take a picture of it and I'll store it in my GoodNotes app. You know, so say there's like 300 page book and like I got like 50 pages, I have something highlighted. I will go and store that in my GoodNotes app and I will bring it up on coaching lessons, coaching calls. Yeah. So whenever I need a good lesson, I just go to the picture of that page of that story and I will pull it up and I will share the screen. I got some really cool technology over here to be able to show the screen and use all the book learnings as my coaching lessons, you know, and use those stories, real life stories while I'm sharing like real life stuff that I've done, like with selling, using the books as really the the leverage point for my coaching practice has been a really cool find. Yeah. You know, I love that. I love that. You know? Hey gang, it's Roderick, and I hope you're enjoying today's show. What I've found as a lifelong entrepreneur, and certainly in coaching other entrepreneurs around the world for the last 20 years, is that we all pass through five phases on our business journey, from the believer to the business Buddha. You need the first two, you want the last two, but sadly, most of us get stuck in the middle and start the cycle over, some of us forever. Knowing where you are reveals a clear path for where you need to go. I've created a free quiz that when answered honestly, We'll tell you where you currently are, but most importantly, we'll reveal your next steps. You can take the quiz right now at milliondollarflipflops.com forward slash quiz. This has taken me 20 years of in the trenches trial and error to develop, and it's designed to change the way you look at your business and your life forever. Are you the showman? Are you the anxious philosopher? 
Maybe you're the peaceful warrior. There's only one way to find out. Take the free quiz now at milliondollarflipflops.com forward slash quiz and see where you land. The results may shock you. Now back to the show. So I have a question. I was, we had a group coaching call with Alex Ramosi a couple of weeks back, got to spend an hour and a half Super with him. Cool. It was amazing. And one of the things he talked about was that he would rather read one good book 50 mm. times than 50 books one time. Yeah. Great idea. I love the idea. Now, there was a time when I just had this conversation last week. I read a hundred books a year for three straight years. And I realized at the end of that, I don't remember anything. <laughs> I don't remember any of this stuff. I mean, I checked the box. I don't remember a lot of the granular details of it. So when I've heard Alex say that and others have said that over the past like two years, I've started to take more of that approach. So now I, I better start start some breathing exercises. My, my heartbeat is starting to go a little bit faster. When I say, I don't have to read from the cover to the cover. You don't. You can just read little sections. So now I'll pick up a book and just read the sections that seem like they're relevant to me rather than having to read every word of the book, which I used to do. Percentage basis. How often do you pick up a book that you've already read, open to a random page, and that page is pertinent to whatever's going on in your life at that time? Likely almost 100% of the time, there is some way that I made a note of this for this reason five years ago, and now here we are. It makes sense for this reason. So all the time it happens. And I think that's great advice as to why you would study the principle for a long time, then come back to that book because it's evergreen, just keeps keeps growing. Yeah. Good one. Over again. Um, yeah. We're building all of our books are sadly well other we probably have a hundred out, but are in buckets from the move. And I'm we're building a library above me right now that is just wall to wall, floor to ceiling. Oh nothing God. but books. Is every surface is covered in books. And for that, that's most of the reason that I want to do that is because I just like to grab a random one every morning and just open to a random page and see what that thing says, you know, and it's like you say, it is most times very pertinent. And then I'll go back to reading whatever six I have in the rotation at the time. But so I'm going to jump into a space that I am not comfortable in, and that would be the architecture and design space. Uh, because I don't even buy my own clothes or dress myself. My <laughs> wife literally tells me what to wear. Uh, I just had this vision that I'm going to walk into. And by the way, thank you for the invite. I'm definitely coming now because you have a giant room of books. Uh, that was it. That was it. Uh, that or a golf course in the backyard. If you have one of those, I'll also. I mean, t- technically. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. We can hit, we can, off, the, off the mountain. Uh, <laughs> so let's say I walk into your into your new library and. You push the doors open. Now, they're the doors that they open from the middle and they go outwards. And the actual door itself is million-dollar flip-flops is the door. And you open it and it just opens that book in half and it walks right in. Uh, I'm just imagining that there's a giant canvas print or a giant print on the wall that has your book on it. Uh, At least (laughs) when my book is printed, uh, I'm going to get like a giant, like the cover of it. And I'm going to put it in my Zoom background. And it's not going to be just the book. It's going to be like a giant cover. It's going to cover up a lot of the stuff in the back. Yeah. I'm going to try that out for you a little while. My, my poor little book here next to the salt lamp like this. I, it's <laughs> it's so easy to recognize your book, though. It's a really cool looking cover. I love the cover. Thanks. It's, yeah, it's the only representation box. of the book. Well, here's here's what's cool about the library that you're going to love. It's a secret door. To get oh, it. my God. Speak easy like a secret door. Yeah. Oh, my God. Super cool. 
Oh man. We're just big kids, man. We're just big kids that get to do the stuff we want to do when we were little. That's all. Absolutely. I went to a I went to a Halloween party a month ago. I went as a, a giant eggplant, and my wife went as a donut. Well, eggplant, donut, figure out the symbolism if you want to. Uh, but I went as a giant eggplant, and she went as a, as a giant donut, and we had some fun. And we went to this place in Charlotte that was called the Hamilton, and there was the uh, the speakeasy, like hidden shelf room in there. You, you go and you, you pull the book, and the door opens up. We went back there, and because at the young age of 46, with three kids, I don't show up like at 11 or 12 o'clock to parties anymore. Like I show up like one minute after it starts. So at like eight o'clock, we're walking around in there, look at this cool place and there's nobody in there. I'm like, darn it. It's not going to be till after hours where this party gets hopping in this private room. I'm going to be asleep by then. So I was a little bit frustrated by that, but we had a great Great time. I love going anywhere where there's a speakeasy, where there's like this secret door. You feel like you're part of the cool crowd. So your book's coming out. What? Here's what I learned writing a book. It's not for the faint of heart. You're probably not going to make any money. Why are you doing it? Great question. Simple. I want to share all the hard stuff that I went through in my life so far by the age of 46. And if I can overcome it, you can too. All right. So the book is about overcoming your own stuff. And it's written, it's a, it's a business parable. We talked about Dan Millman and the way of the peaceful warrior earlier, or like a Patrick Lencioni, like a business parable type book. It's written in that style. So it's based on the character, uh, whose, whose name is Patrick Armstrong is based on me. Uh, it's not the exact same circumstances in every story. Cause I didn't want to out any people that may have had a negative influence or a challenging influence. Uh, I didn't want to didn't want to call my name, so we we switched some of the names up. It's it's a a, a chronicling of my life story to that point from about the age of you know twenty two until uh, you know children and all of the mistakes that I made that I didn't know I was making until I had to learn through them. You know, and and the point of it is that at any point in your life you can have the most challenging circumstances show up. And you may not know how to deal with them at that time. And you're better for it by going through it because the experience will be your teacher. And 100%. if you're open to learning, you know, so if there are core values flashed throughout the book, one of them is curiosity you know, and how a person becomes more curious, how a person is able to accept the things that come into their life through the lens of, hmm, I wonder how I might use that to my advantage. I wonder why is that here right now? What's that here to teach me? All right. So it, it's, a, it's a way this book is going to help people sharpen their lens for curiosity. It's going to help them sharpen their lens and their appreciation of gratitude. And it's definitely going to increase their lens for optimism because there's optimism spread throughout. Even when I was making a bunch of dumb mistakes in my first business and all my relationships and as a parent, as a business partner, I made every dumb mistake you can make. I was always optimistic, <laughs> always optimistic through it. Yeah. Uh, the experience you know, is neutral, right? It's only what we, what we assign to it. <laughs> It makes it positive. Yeah. It's like adding this one lens to my life, this lens of curiosity, which I really genuinely only added probably at about the age of 37, right? By adding that one lens, it changed everything. And, oh, and anyone else out there, it doesn't matter what you plant in, in the soil. If the brain is the soil. It doesn't matter if you plant a deadly nightshade or you plant corn in there. It will grow whatever you plant. So if you're planting negative stuff, it's going to grow stinking thinking, <laughs> to quote uh, you know Dale Carnegie back in the day. You know, but if you plant the good stuff, the positive stuff, and ask 
curious questions that can lead you to where you want to go, then you will more than likely get there. Just keep asking. And this is a, a guide to show here's all the mistakes and then here's how you correct or overcome those through learning and through curiosity. So that's wow. that's well. it. And it's going to be a fun time. Uh, there are a couple of twists in it. I feel I feel kind of like a like a star a little bit here because I have like a super famous person who is promoting my book and who's my publisher, Mark Victor Hansen, the chicken soup for the soul author yeah. who sold like 600 million books. And I, I love this man. I met him. I went to a concert with him and his lovely wife, Crystal. And you know, ever since then, just, yeah, we've, we've been good friends and he's a mentor and he offered to publish it. And he's going to put the word on the cover and, and, and all these good things from him. And he's introduced me to a lot of cool people. So shout out to Mark Victor Hansen for that. Uh, but yeah, it's been a great experience. A little stressful. A little stressful. I get deadlines. They're they're always pushing me. Hey, get this to me by then. Get this by then. I'm like, oh my god, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. You, it's not perfect. Have you yet. turned in the final manuscript yet? I have. Yeah, the it's final locked. manuscript is there. That was it's the scariest locked. day of my life is when they locked the manuscript. <laughs> <laughs> that manuscript is locked. Let's say, oh, I'm stuck on. A, I'm stuck on the most granular detail right now. <laughs> granular detail is the front of the special thanks section because I'm offering special thanks to people, and I want this to be different than a lot of other books. So it's not just like three people or seven people or 12 people, I have a hundred people I'm special thanking in the very front. And now I'm trying to make sure I don't leave out like, ooh, my mother-in-law, for example, I got to put her in there somewhere, right? I, th I think you either have to helpful. do one or everyone. I don't think that there's a, an in-between. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so I'm already thinking about my defense with some of my friends that are really close. They say, wait a second, I've not had an impact in your life. You're not, I'm not in there. Uh, well, on book number two uh, will be the next hundred people. We'll see. I love we'll it. see. Yeah, it's definitely stressful, but it's at the same time, it's super fun. It's it's a new experience. And here, here's maybe a lesson that I've learned along the way. I had a conversation with a friend of mine named Trent Booth six and a half years ago. We were reconnecting. I was trying to build my coaching business. And Trent, he's like a legend in the Cutco vector marketing community. And he asked me, so Matt, what are you up to this year? I said, I'll write my first book, 85% done. It should come out later this year. And I didn't really know what that meant because the book has been 85% done for forever, right? And then I actually hired someone to do it. And man, I tell you, I was nowhere near 85% done. I thought I was. I was not, dude. It was crazy. Like I've been on the bench for six or seven years trying to write this thing. And with a coach that I hired, now I got done in less than a year and you know, we're going to publish in March. So hire a coach to get your book. Hire um hire coach hire my guy, Mark Victor, or hire your your girl, Amber, Bill Howard. These these are good people to help with marketing and help with book publication. Yeah. So I think you know, people don't think of I could go to the gym, cost me 20 bucks a month to go over to Planet Fitness. Why do I pay a hundred, a thousand, however much it is for the trainer? It's because I show up because I'm paying the guy. You know, it's no right. different in business, it's no different in anything else you do. When you're paying money, you show up. Why a mastermind costs money. If it was free, you won't show up, you know? So anyway. Yeah, weird um, how that works. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be respectful of your time, sir, but how can people get a hold of you, your show? How do we find you? Oh, thanks for asking. I've got the, the Eternal Optimist podcast. You know, it's only one out there that has this name. You know, look for that smile, that 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 tall, goofy smile of mine. And I'd love to have you on the show uh, or love love to have you listen to the show. And then uh, just follow me on social media. I'm pretty easy to find. There's only uh, 13 people in the last in the world that have my last name. Uh, and I'm only Matt. So look out there for uh, for drink on D R I N K H H. And and uh, yeah, I love to have a follow and, and connect. So, awesome. buddy, thanks so much yeah. for coming on the show. I hope we can do it again soon. 
Yeah, I appreciate you, brother. Thanks a lot. I hope you enjoyed the episode today on the Million Dollar Flip Flop Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on your chosen platform that you listen on. If this episode make you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this episode with them or post it on your social media to share with your friends. You can catch the show notes for this episode and any mentioned links in the description of this episode. If you want to see more behind the scenes with Roderick and his guests, be sure to find them on Instagram. It's also where we can have deeper conversations on these episodes. Go to www.instagram.com forward slash million dollar flip flops. Until next time.